What is up, plebs? I'll keep this intro short and sweet. I woke up today with an overwhelming feeling that it's a beautiful day to be a Bitcoiner. Can't wait to share this conversation with you all. Kyle Murphy, or at the underscore Bitcoin underscore bum, is a United States Army veteran. In this incredible conversation, he shares how his service in the military and his experiences traveling the world after has changed his views on Bitcoin. Towards the end of the conversation, we get into the topic of spirituality and meditation. I feel so grateful being able to chat with Kyle. I learned so much. Lastly, looking for a new guest on the Bitcoin Plebs podcast. The purpose of the pod is to meet new Bitcoin friends, hear their views on the orange coin, and hopefully allow the plebs' stories to be heard. The podcast is voice only and welcomes anyone and everyone who wants to chat Bitcoin. Hit record. All right. Um, welcome on the podcast, Kyle Murphy. Thank you, man. Um, Thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, to start off, uh, I wanted to thank you for your service to our country um, and then get into a tweet you um, sent out on New Year's Day that said, after my time as a U.S. Army soldier, it became clear that a revolution was imminent in America. Traveling the world for years since, it became clear that this is a global phenomenon. After years of researching Bitcoin, it was abundantly clear that Bitcoin is the answer, a weapon of peace. Um, so can you talk about your experiences as a United States Army soldier um, that showed you that a revolution is imminent? Boy, deep down the rabbit hole right off the bat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, so basically, <coughs> I did four years as a, as a combat medic with the 101st Airborne. Um, when I got out, basically, I, I would not have been able to, like, quantitatively like to give you like an analysis when I first got out of the question you're kind of asking right now but there was some gut feeling some just visceral understanding through my experiences in the chaotic disorganized kind of clusterfuck that is the US military and I'm thinking to myself after getting out and kind of being forced back into what we'll call normal life, normal society. Right. And right. It, it became kind of this, this duality of like, Holy shit. If even the most organized thing that the U S government is supposed to have, it's, it's U S military is a giant shit show. And it is, it's a giant. <laughs> shit show. Um, it just kind of became clear to me that something somewhere had to give. It's like, if we can't even get our military put together in a way that works, that is being used beneficially, that isn't a disaster and a waste of taxpayer dollars, how in the world is the U.S. government doing anything for any of its people 
And I guess basically the kind of, at the time, the unknown conclusion or the, the ununderstood conclusion logically in my mind was that people were at some point going to have enough and that to make change, we were going to force change. And I guess that just kind right. of became this underlying thing known as for a lack of a better term as the revolution. And it became pretty clear pretty quickly when I got out that something had to give. So we're going back. I got out in 2012 and back in 2012, I talked to family. I talked to friends. It was, it wasn't, really again well understood but there was something back as far back as 2012 after four years in the military and and maybe yeah. after a couple of months of being out where it just like those two realities conflicted with one another so much that it it led me to that belief that um yeah and then you noticed that um after a few years traveling around the world you noticed there were um problems with the entire globe and that this is a global phenomenon uh what what do you mean like what is this global revolution that you're kind of a, talking about here well i mean it's it's kind of apparent if you're paying attention at all you've got the yellow coats revolting in france you've got the the democratic protests against the king in thailand it, yeah. it's kind of small pockets of this uprising against the authorities that are kind of happening everywhere. Right. Maybe more so in, in smaller, less developed countries thus far. Mm -hmm. But in my experiences, having traveled around the world for a while, I also came to the conclusion that it was not, just an imminent in the u.s problem it was a problem that seemed to be a lot larger than just what was happening in the u.s ultimately i've come to believe as of now that much of it stems from things developed in western society maybe not perhaps designed and pushed specifically by the u.s but by western society kind of as a whole the industrial revolution and the kind of dollar first job first creation first like consumer society that we pushed across the world and and not to knock capitalism or many of the great things that have come out of the capitalist system i i personally believe capitalism has been one of the best overarching human organizational systems that's ever been produced. Do I right. believe there's room for improvement? Yes, I do. And I think that's kind of what I came to is that whether people understand it or know it or feel it or not, I, I think some of the, whoa, do not restart my computer. No, 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 no. Um, shit. It's all good. Yeah. I think, um, if I lose you, man, my computer's doing funny things here. I'll, uh, I'll be back. But, um, okay. yeah, it's, it's, I think to some extent what I realized, or at least what I believe I've come to the conclusion after talking to a lot of people is that 
it seems whether they know it or not, everybody's kind of got some problem with the powers that be. And I think a lot of it stems from the fact that all of the powers that be kind of work together at a global scale and manipulate value, not, not just money, but in the manipulation of money, they're genuinely manipulating value. I mean, money is supposed to be a monetary money is a representation of human value in physical form, right? Like it's just supposed to, to represent if I give you a dollar and we both know what the dollar's worth, then in, in a free market society, me and you should be able to get together and decide what our products, our time, uh, our own energy is worth in that dollar system. Right. So that we can exchange it fairly and equally amongst ourselves. And the problem is, is that around the world, no one knows what their human value is because the currency system for human value is being controlled and manipulated by a small handful of people. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy that this can happen for so long when you think about um, just how, how much value people are losing in their incomes and their savings, um, you know, year to year. And that value is being, you know, taken away from them and given to the powers that do control these systems, right? Um, yeah. And I think the, 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 even the bigger problem than the, seeing your fiat your fiat money lose its value is the the truly underlying principle is that really what all of us are losing in that system is our life force man we're losing our time we are told that there's this system that you have to participate in to earn this fiat currency which is supposed to be the representation of our own life's energy, our own value, our time. And as they manipulate that currency and it becomes worth less for more of my time and more of my energy, that is, that's a really negative way to view the human life where it's like every day, uncertainty leads me to a place where my time and energy is now worth less than I believe it was worth yesterday. That's not a good long-term trend for the human psyche or the human spirit. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm on the same page with you there. And that's, that's kind of interesting that you use the terms. What did you just say? Um, or, like ordered. Um, so I, I looked through your social media before we got on this podcast and I saw you know, from traveling the world, do you, did you kind of adopt some of these like Zen Buddhism beliefs? Um, I don't know if I actually, I do know of Zen Buddhism. Um, I wouldn't necessarily state that it had something to do with my travels. I mean, perhaps it did. Um, I would, I, I think I would have to know specifically which tweets you're talking about to kind of reference them more specifically, but yeah, I do, I do follow, um, or have read 
uh, a lot of Buddhist philosophies. Um, but and I, then, yeah. Or sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, there's this idea that Jordan Peterson talks about, which is like chaos and order, right? Yeah. And you kind of use that terminology when you're talking about money. And I think that's like an interesting way to think about it. You know, if you have money as an ordered thing that everybody agrees upon the rules and, um, and is fair and has set rules, you know, that's a really good thing. And right now, like you said, it's in a disorganized system where, um, you know, we don't know what, uh like in 2022 what the monetary policy will look like and it it does cause a lot of problems right yeah i mean 2022 is a whole year away man i don't i don't really know what monetary policy is going to look like tomorrow it's like (laughs) yeah i mean honestly the biggest problem is is i don't know what monetary policy looks like today Right. I mean, this idea of tomorrow, man, I can't even, I, so many people are unable to worry about what the monetary policy is going to look like tomorrow. The only thing they can worry about is like, shit, I'm losing 15% of my value today. Like I, I got to go pick up a second job. My, my, don't right. have any money, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous. And it, it is it a gets, lot of chaos. <laughs> And I hear you getting fired up. And every time I talk about Bitcoin, I get fired up too. And um, I, I don't see how it, at least in my experience, people seem like disinterested when I talk about Bitcoin with them. Or, you know, when I talk about these problems, they don't see, like, uh, they don't really see the problem. And it's like, I think, has that been your experience too that um people in your life like your friends and your family who may not be bitcoiners when you bring up this topic they they don't see the same importance <laughs> as you do i i'm i just recently <clears throat> uh was in mexico <clears throat> yeah and my first night in town had a few drinks i went out with a buddy i had met that night at the hostel and I met this girl who was bartending there in Mexico and we exchanged information. I was getting ready to go out on a date with her and a couple of my friends gave me my crucial before my date advice. And they said, I got two things to tell you, man. One, listen, just pay attention to what she has to say. Solid advice. And I appreciate Uh, advice. Number two, piece number two was the overwhelming (laughs) consensus that I needed to not talk about Bitcoin. So there's this, there's this understanding within my circle of closest friends and family that obviously Bitcoin is something I talk about quite a bit and with quite a bit of passion behind. Um, but yes, I would say there is a strong majority that don't seem to understand or take it as seriously as I do. And, you know, I understand that. I wish I had the magic words or string of words that would just like help everyone get it. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, it's one of the things that I think is truly interesting about a society of free people who are free thinkers 
it, it takes time. I, my uncle has this saying that I came across this summer uh, yeah. while talking politics, which is that it's an evolution, not a revolution. And to some extent, I think it is a little bit of both. I think if evolution isn't happening in ways that need to happen, at some point, the, the dying of things that need to survive, like inside of evolution, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is inside yeah. of the long scope of evolution, there are tiny revolutions and, mm. <clears throat> and they still take time and you need to give them time. And within that Zen Buddhist or Buddhist philosophy, I, I came across years ago for, for my own personal experience is that oftentimes when words, when preaching, when just like saying the same things over and over again in even maybe in different ways, but still saying the same message isn't working. I've found that one of the best things I've found for that space is to then just stop talking about it and start living the values behind it more thoroughly. <clears throat> yeah, that that's interesting. Just and, kind of, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go um, ahead. Yeah, it was just, I think <clears throat> if, if what you're trying to explain to people has a philosophy, right? I mean, yeah, the reason that, I believe what I believe. And if, if trying to explain it in, in a string of words just isn't making it click, then I think at that point, the best thing to do is to kind of take it to that spiritual place where you just, you live that message so thoroughly that it can't be ignored, where it's just like, okay, he hasn't said anything, <clears throat> but I can see it. I can feel it. There's something going on. And honestly, over just the last month, my brother Scott has invested in Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. my, my, one of my best friends, Chris, has invested in Bitcoin. Um, so more and more of the closest people around me are starting to wet their toes, if you will. Um, so I think it's working and I think it just really does become a, like a mantra to repeat in the Bitcoin space or in the life space in general. That is just like, if, if words aren't working, just go live your values and let time do its thing. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. Cause I, I talked with, um, at Lambo whale yesterday um, that conversation will be released by the, the time this one is. Um, and he, like many other Bitcoiners, you know, they just become kind of like, um, let's see, he and other Bitcoiners believe um, people find Bitcoin when they are ready. And like, they kind of don't take an active approach in shilling or sharing the Bitcoin philosophy with others. Um, and it's almost like they they completely live it and will not um, even take an active approach unless people ask them. 
And that's kind of what you're getting at here too. Um, but I think the active approach to, um, to sh shilling Bitcoin and being the Bitcoin guy, you know, like tweeting on Twitter or like right. making your podcast, writing your newsletter, you know, talking about it with your family, that, that does have a place. And it's important that we do that. In, in my opinion, do, do you think that's an important thing to do is to share Bitcoin with others? Yeah, I like do. Actively? I do. I mean, obviously, if, if your group of friends is telling you to not shill Bitcoin to your first date, <laughs> like, I, I think, obviously, there's a correlation to how much I talk about it and, and how much I think we should talk about it. Um, coming back to the idea of letting time do its thing, I, I don't believe that... I mean, I've had this same conversation in a more philosophical sense that was less connected to Bitcoin about like, oh, well, if you just, if you just sit down and meditate and like be in the present moment, like all things are going to work out for you. It's not really how it works, man. It's like I being present and being in the moment and letting time take its course doesn't mean that I just like sit down on a meditation cushion and like all of life's things are going to work out. Like I can't just sit down and start meditating and expect that if I do that for the rest of my life, if I stop eating food, stop drinking water, stop doing anything else at all, but just sitting in the present moment, like things don't get done. There is right. work that actually has to be done in the presence. If you intend to do something that shifts the future, I don't, believe we'll ever be in the future we will always be in this present moment but in this present moment you build the future you want because you want the future to have a present moment that looks different than the one we're in now and i do believe that bitcoin needs people in the space doing the work putting out the message like whatever it is you feel you can contribute you should, and especially if you want to, like if you feel there's something about Bitcoin that needs to be talked about, that people need to know about, and you feel compelled to tell people that, then I think you should, especially yeah. if there's nothing stopping you. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that message. Um, yeah, there's this idea that, you know, we're not all just individuals we're net networked together and what you do matters more than you might think right you're two people away from a million you're three if you know a thousand people and then each of those people knows a thousand people that puts you two people away from a million and three people away from a billion and when you think about it that way you know, what you start to do matters a bit more so, you know, whether it is just your Twitter account, you know, and um, talking with your friends, but if you, if you can do more in my eyes, you know, like it's a great thing to be doing more. And that takes me to, you mentioned you might have a, a book coming out. Were you serious about that? Yeah, it's still in the early phases of being written and developed, but yeah, I've got... I've got a lot of things on my mind. Honestly, I'm also looking at starting my own podcast. Um, 
Yeah. But the, the heavy focus at the moment is actually in writing. Um, this, this kind of goofy life I live where I, I have my military experience and then I found yoga or maybe yoga found me. And then my world travel experiences, my van life experiences, and just kind of like a culmination of all of it um, through the lens of having found Bitcoin is, is kind of the, the direction that things are heading for the writing right now. It's like I, I found myself really, really struggling to reintegrate into normal society after my time in the military um because so much seemed so broken to me and i kind of just went down this spiritual path after hitting rock bottom where i was suicidal i was abusing anabolic steroids i was a raging alcoholic um all of my relationships basically everywhere were deteriorating. I found myself on the edge of my bed, suicidal and depressed. And, and then I found yoga and then I found travel and through all of it, the one thing that I didn't realize kept being this recurring conversation everywhere I went for the longest time was Bitcoin and I knew about it when I was struggling. I knew about it when I was working through yoga. I knew about it while I was traveling and everywhere I went, some small pocket or one small person or just one thing led to another where almost everywhere I've ever been, Bitcoin keeps coming back up. And it was just this past year with the collapse of March and kind of the, the, the complete shutdown of the world economy where I had that 100% like this is the moment to finally do something with it. Um, yeah. And after years, I mean, I, I learned about Bitcoin in 2016. I told my parents to buy it at $500. Didn't know how to buy it. Didn't know where to buy it. Didn't know anything about it. Just like knew enough that like I knew it wasn't going somewhere. Like the first time I heard about it, I had my aha moment. And yet it wasn't an aha moment where I was able to like completely 180 my life in that moment. Right. I knew it was a thing. I knew it wasn't going anywhere, but I didn't know anything else about it. And then I, I moved to San Francisco and I watched in 2017 as it ballooned to almost $20,000. Yep. Still didn't really know much about it still didn't really know where to buy it just following along again it just keeps kind of popping up randomly in my life and then after well i mean i guess that's almost five years we hit the all-time lows in 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 well we hit super lows in march and then as it started climbing back up and as the economy just kept staying closed and as more and more of the world economy became more and more confusing as to how we're going to put it all back together, I found in late July, I had come into some money <clears throat> and, yeah. and it was just like, where, where am I going to put this? And I put 
50% into Bitcoin and I put 50% into Tesla right before their five to one stock split. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. And I, I held both of those positions until, well, last month. And I cashed out my Tesla position and put essentially 90 plus percent of my liquid assets into Bitcoin. And, and, and that was basically the end of me really having anything left to say or do inside of the kind of the normal monetary system that runs the whole world. My belief in Tesla and my belief in powerful, valuable companies remains bullish, <clears throat> but yeah. But my belief in the system that finances it has hit the absolute bottom. And honestly, once you hit the bottom, you either sit down there and you dwell in it or you start figuring out how you're going to get out from there. And I, I guess basically the conclusion I came to was I just need to help participate in the building of a better ladder. And I think that's Bitcoin. I think, yeah. I think Bitcoin gives more people more opportunity to build what they find valuable in the world. Like, I don't want people to have to take some shit job with some shit boss doing some shit work right. for the idea of being able to survive, to like, to maintain the necessities, to put a roof over their head and food in their belly. I want to find us in a society where people are able to have those basic necessities met, which I, I believe in the world we live in today with the right fundamental changes, we could enter the era of abundance where everyone has enough. I think you'll still have rich, you'll still have poor, but we can make it so that everyone has enough. And, the, yeah. and then from there, you open up this opportunity for people to explore what's best for them. And I, and I think in a society where people are able to explore what makes sense to them, what's best for them, what makes them happy and, and, and participating in the value structure, however they deem necessary for themselves. I think that's the best system for all of us. If, if everyone has enough, and everyone's contributing what they believe they're best suited to contribute. I mean, that sounds like an all right society to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a good way to look at it, you know, because that's like a hopeful, like positive perspective rather than like oftentimes when I, I think about Bitcoin or talk about Bitcoin, um, it puts me into a negative place because, you know, I realize all the problems with the current system and, you know, it makes me worried. I'm, I'm a lot younger than you. So, you know, I'm just starting out my life and making decisions for myself and makes me worried about the future, you know, going into the system and what might happen, you know, but thinking about it through that light that we're, you know, helping to hopefully bitcoin is hope it, you know it it's hope for you know the change we need the better that you know we can escape this um 
this system where you know every year you're making less and less money and every year the valuable things that you actually want are costing more and more money you know you know bitcoins it's good to think that bitcoin is hope for change and it, it is change right because you can finally store your value across time you know so efficiently and yeah that's an excellent way to put it i'm, I'm glad you said that right uh, yeah. I'm glad it resonates because yeah, I, I have to agree. I think I spent a lot of years in darkness and despair. Um, and Bitcoin is, is one of the keys. I think it's one piece of the puzzle that, I mean, at least for me, I can't speak on its potential for everyone else, but, just humbly speaking of my own experience, I can say that Bitcoin is one of the puzzle pieces that helped me put my life back together. And for that, I'm, I'm immensely grateful. And I believe that that opportunity exists for many, 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 many more people. And now I kind of come back to what we talked about a little earlier is like, what can I do with my time to help other people find that opportunity. Okay, so I think right here, I, I'm gonna make an edit. Um, yeah. I, I use Zoom way too much, too much for this podcast. So this is the first time they put a 40 minute limit on my meeting, okay. um, unless I pay for it. So I saw on your Twitter that um, you mentioned a YouTube channel. I would be super interesting following your travels across the globe. Um, it, is that going to happen anytime? Yeah, I really do think it is. The book and the YouTube are kind of the, the big focus shifts as far as social media goes. I, I did Instagram and Facebook over my year of backpacking the world, trying to like, to, I, I thought for a while it was going to be like a, a travel YouTube vlogger, blogger kind of Instagrammer. And I realized over that year that the travel photography scene is incredibly satiated. Uh, unfortunately, like it or not, Instagram and the algorithms and the people that use the platform, uh, which there's a lot of men using the platform. The, the guys like to click likes on a lot of content that, that is uh, female oriented. I, and I met so many people so many times where it was like, I exchanged Instagram information with this girl at the hostel. She's got like six bikini pics in the mirror and she's got like 4,000 followers. She's been on Instagram for 18 minutes. I've been on Instagram for over a year. I've got like all of these photos. I put all of this work into trying oh, to get yeah. the perfect shot and edit the perfect shot and come up with this unbelievable caption. And I've got 2000 followers and everybody's just basically copy and paste like sick tones, bro. And it like, it just got to this point where it was like, is this really what I want to do as a career? Like I'm kind of, missing traveling for the sake of traveling like this is becoming something that's not really fun anymore it just started to become repetitive and kind of boring so 
yeah, I would say that kind of shift in the past year moved me towards really, again, one, jumping fully into Bitcoin. And I, I believe with what I'm doing with Bitcoin now, the, the, the more appropriate medium of exchange seems to be YouTube, maybe yeah. writing and, and using Twitter. So those are the platforms I find myself most heavily interested in and kind of using at the moment. So yeah, I do, I do believe there's a podcast on the way. I was just talking to one of the guys I met down in Mexico um, about maybe being a guest on or even a recurring guest on for a while, uh, talking about finance, Bitcoin. And, and obviously, I, I imagine doing a show about Bitcoin and finance is going to stem off into some some more philosophical side adventures. And, and obviously, if I'm doing the show from abroad, I imagine some of the conversation about where we're at and what we're doing will also pop into the podcast from time to time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, and I think the YouTube space is um, almost completely untouched by like, Bitcoiners, you know, you have Andreas Antonopoulos and BTC sessions, but outside of that, you know, the rest of them are shit coiners and just want to sell you something. Um, yeah, so. I think there's there's definitely a few I that come to mind on on YouTube that are in Bitcoin. I, I do enjoy Robert Breedlove, especially the Sailor series. I mean, it's I what are they nine videos now that are like two hours long i've gone down quite a rabbit hole and anything michael saylor and bitcoin honestly has has been pretty excellent but like oh, yeah. hour and a half long form conversations with him and and breed love have been pretty damn good um but yeah i i agree i think i think overall whether it be twitter whether it be youtube whether it be a book whether it be really anything i do believe we are still really early in the evolution of Bitcoin. So I think now is a great time. Now is always the only time. So do it or don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at least for me, I get like really nervous about what people think or if it's good quality. But, you know, I just decided to let that go and create the habit of, um, you know, like, producing podcasts and hopefully I want to get into the YouTube space too, like breaking down each of the podcasts, like if the best clips, like maybe I'll like talk more about interesting things we cover. Um, but yeah, yeah. For, I think if everybody were to, you know, like have a podcast and talk through their ideas and hear people's uh, other people's ideas, we'd live in a better world with people who, <laughs> maybe not every maybe not everybody but if everybody who had had the gumption to get it done i think if every idiot just started talking on video we'd we'd have too many idiots talking on video and and not <laughs> not enough clarity for where to go and get proper information but i do believe that there's plenty of room for everybody who genuinely has the initiative to put out quality content i think if we were just like if we were going to mandate everybody was just like, here's your microphone, start talking. We, we'd, we'd have way, way too much chatter online, but I knew, I do know what you mean. Everybody who basically feels they have something to say and then takes the time and energy to put it out there. I, I think that is useful. And 
maybe it's not useful for me from this person. Maybe it's not useful from that person for you. But like the one powerful thing about the internet is that there's something out there. If you're looking for it, you can find it. Yeah. And, and maybe even if you're not looking for it, it'll just find you, which I think is kind of where putting something like a YouTube podcast out on Bitcoin is like a lot of the time it's great if I am able to find a, a Bitcoin video, but I'm, I'm already 98% of my liquid assets in Bitcoin. I'm already <laughs> telling everybody. I'm already sitting down writing a book. I'm already planning my podcast. Uh, so I don't really need to find a whole lot. Like, again, I like when I find good information that is like intriguing and interesting and goes down this kind of rabbit hole like conversation. But for people who aren't yet invested, who don't yet know or see anything about Bitcoin other than what mainstream media or maybe their kid or grandkid has told them about it, it's there's a lot of room for a lot more information. Yeah, agreed. Um, have you been to, I got to ask, have you been to a Bitcoin beach um, else, that's located in El Salvador? Bitcoin beach in El Salvador. No, I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. Okay. Well, it's like this whole community that just only uses Bitcoin um, to pay for things, to pay each other. It's like this circular community who you use Bitcoin. And it, it's like a popular tourist destination for Bitcoiners. Huh. Um, yeah. Nope, haven't heard of it. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know that I'm personally interested in spending my Bitcoin at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I do. I do. Uh, you know what, though? Like, even... I, that's changed for me over the last couple of months. And I think we'll probably continue to shift based on, based on how I see things going right now. But I, I'm currently in this phase where I and a lot of other people are looking at Bitcoin much more heavily as a store of value than as a medium of exchange. Yeah. And I... I am much, much, much more involved in the accumulation phase of it than in the find a way to spend it phase. Um, I am not even sure that you will do direct exchanges with Bitcoin in the future. I mean, I think it would be great if we could figure it out. I think if we do figure it out, it probably happens off chain in in like a, an additional layer I yeah mean, there's, there's just only so much room for transactions on the bitcoin network and there's a lot of people on planet earth making a lot of transactions i don't <laughs> think it's feasible that the bitcoin network itself will ever handle that kind of transaction load yeah. but i also i also think it's likely that if that's the case Maybe there's something that's built off chain. You've got something like Lightning Network or something like that. But I think it's also entirely likely that there are, in, in the interim, on the path towards if Bitcoin ever were to be a store of value and a network of exchange, I think 
you'll also have other assets that will enter the space. And I kind of heard this thought process first from, from Raoul Paul. And I, I think it's really interesting, this idea that you'll basically be within like a FinTech kind of layer, like your Cash App, your PayPal, Venmo, whatever it is you're using, right? And you'll just be able to click a button and kind of convert currencies from one digital currency value to another digital currency value. And, and in that situation, Bitcoin still works as the best store of value. And if you just like were, for example, holding Bitcoin and, and it's five years from now and I want to spend and all of my real value is put in Bitcoin, then basically if I go across the border to Mexico and Mexico is using the digital peso coin, right? In, in Mexico, they've created their, their government's digital peso coin. I could basically go into my FinTech app and I just click a button that says convert 0.00000001 Bitcoin into however much value that is in the digital peso coin. And then I basically transact in Mexico in the digital peso coin and it happens instantly at the click of a button. And, and those kinds of developments I, I think are very likely from what I see. Yeah. And I'm excited for when Bitcoin actually can, yeah, for that possibility that Bitcoin could, you know, support, you know, like instant settlement and uh, cheap transactions, right? But on a second layer, we're in agreement. There's no, uh, there's no, I, I definitely, we're in agreement there. Um, You've brought up this, um, you bring up this philosophy, you like to discuss things in a philosophical way or something. You've brought up the word many times. Um, can, can you explain a little bit more into what your, what your philosophy is? It sounds like you're into yoga and you like to talk about these things and you know, this is an area where I'm pretty interested, but I'm definitely not super knowledgeable into like the spirituality or philosophical side of, you know, maybe things or life or Bitcoin, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess for me, I've just, I've found even, even from a scientific standpoint, right? Like a lot of and maybe this is like an easy approach for people that don't really have an approach into spirituality or philosophy um, beforehand. It's not necessarily how I found my way in, but it, it makes sense to me is that really I I've come to believe that philosophy, if you're a believer in science, then really you're a believer in philosophy because I find that, at least the way I look at it, philosophy is really the original science. It was the creation of the scientific process happened through people evaluating the ideas that they held against the ideas and values that other people held. 
And they did that in a way that wasn't seeking to prove themselves correct. They were seeking to actually dissolve what they thought they knew so that they could actually know. And that's science. So I, I think really philosophy was the original science. And, and I think we need and are likely moving back towards a place where the two kind of merge together. I think it's great to study and examine and, and learn from the external world. But I also believe it's entirely important to learn from our inner world. I mean, if we are that hive network, that one collective thing, I I genuinely believe we are that as well. I believe that it's bigger than the internet. It's bigger than Bitcoin. It's vibrational. It's kind of, I mean, science says that too. Like if you start looking into quantum uh quantum physics entanglement yeah yeah it all stems from one vibration man and and at some point i think it's valuable to kind of sit quietly and and like just learn what it means to sit there to just be a part of that collective thing Mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I guess, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it's, it's, no, definitely. The philosophy of life for me is that um, this is where I'm at. This moment in time is inescapable. It, like, you're never not going to be here. So if here is where you are, then what do you want to do with here now? Because the idea of the future, the idea of the past, like I, I can't go back to the past. I can't be in the future. Like go to the future, like set your alarm clock for next Tuesday at 8 a.m. And like, where are you when the alarm goes off at 8 a.m. next Tuesday? You're here. You like when you wake up and it's eight o'clock next Tuesday, you're not in the future. You're in that present moment. So go to any there, pick a there. And as soon as you get there, you're just right here. So I think as far as Bitcoin and, and kind of tying that into Bitcoin, it, it does, it comes back to things we've already said, which is like, here's where we are. Bitcoin is clearly valuable. It's, it's clearly a powerful tool for building a more connected, more present society. So now with the moment that I have, and, and it's a long moment, um, there's, there's a lot that I can do and a lot that can be done. So it, it's time to just start putting in the work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. So someone who's... Uh, Someone like me who is looking to get into this uh, more spiritual or philosophical area of life, um, what what would you recommend to someone like me who who you know doesn't hasn't you know practiced yoga or meditation or hasn't 
you know, done the research into these types of things, where would you recommend I start? Well, that's an interesting question because I, I do believe that everyone walks their own unique path. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I can't say through just like an hour long conversation. I, I don't necessarily have enough information about you and, and your, your own life experiences to be able to pinpoint some super specific, like maybe this is going to be the place for you. But I, I think if you're already questioning where to look, I would say you've already stepped onto the path. If you're thinking about it, if you're moving in a direction of like, how can I find it? To some extent, it has already found you. So it's just like Bitcoin, like life, like the evolution, not the revolution. It, it's just small baby steps every day. I mean, if, if I were going to try to quantitatively put it into like a physical thing, uh, maybe some books, maybe take a Ferks yoga class, maybe, maybe look into some meditation apps or yeah. maybe just sit down and, and just breathe on your own. I, or you know what, actually I would say maybe some books, there, there's some great books. You, you mentioned Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's uh, the, the Zen Buddhist philosophy. Um, one of my favorite books of all time, uh, I've gifted this book more than any other book, is, is called Be Here Now by Ram Das. Oh, yes. Have you seen it? No, I've heard of it, though. Be it's, Here Now. Be Here Now, yeah. It's, man, it's, uh, it's, it's more than a book. It's a book. It's art. It's guided meditation through a memoir. It's really hard to describe, but the book itself is, is just a masterpiece of, of, I don't have the words for it. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that would be a good book to kind of maybe read into the idea of getting started with a, a spiritual practice. It's a very easy read. It's a very beautiful read. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then maybe beyond that in, in meditation, one of the most useful things I found in my early stages with meditation was a practice called active meditation. Mm -hmm. And the principle was that you would actively meditate with something that you do regularly. Oh yeah. Like as an example, I brush my teeth every morning, right? And yeah. the principle was to just focus on that active thing you're doing. If I'm brushing my teeth, try to be present while brushing my teeth. If every day I'm going to brush my teeth, then every day I have an opportunity to focus my mind on brushing my teeth. Be present. Notice the bristles going over my gums, going over my teeth. Stop worrying while I'm brushing my teeth about what I'm doing after I brush my teeth and just brush my teeth. Yeah. Simple wow. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, are, it was a powerful tool for me along the, along the journey of meditation. Um, yeah sitting down and just being quiet and trying to tune out the world 
those, those moments are hard to find and hard to come by without, without practice. And I think doing it in an active form, especially with things that you already do on a regular basis anyways, I think it's a, that's a great place to start in the realm of meditation. Right. Yeah. I, I just, when you started talking about that, I, you know, I tried to bring myself into the present moment and be here in this conversation and just be completely here. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. And yeah, so I, I got those stuff written down. Uh, I'm going to check out that book from the library and yeah, hopefully read have. more about the active meditation. Um, You've answered most of my questions that, you know, I was wondering about with you. Um, and I really appreciate your story. You know, thank you for your service to our country. And then, um, and then this conversation, you know, with the spiritual side has been really, really interesting to me. So I appreciate it. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a great chat. Let's uh, maybe we'll call this one a day and, and we'll see how things progress. And maybe as I develop my side of things, we'll, we'll uh, get back together and, and do round two. Oh, yes. Uh, I would love that. Yeah. So check out his Instagram. It's beautiful. Follow um, Kyle Murphy, Bitcoin, unders the underscore Bitcoin, underscore bum um, on Twitter and yeah yep okay can't wait to see how these things turn out hey thanks man